Section 22 of the Natural History, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sue Anderson. The Natural History, Volume 2 by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 22 book eight chapters thirty six through forty seven chapter thirty six the ichneumon this hostility is the especial glory of this animal which is also produced in egypt it plunges itself repeatedly into the mud then dries itself in the sun as soon as by these means it has armed itself with a sufficient number of coatings it proceeds to the combat raising its tail and turning its back to the serpent it receives its stings which are inflicted to no purpose until at last turning its head sideways and viewing its enemy it seizes it by the throat not content however with this victory it conquers another creature also which is no less dangerous chapter thirty seven the crocodile the nile produces the crocodile also a destructive quadruped and equally dangerous on land and in the water this is the only land animal that does not enjoy the use of its tongue and the only one that has the upper jaw movable and is capable of biting with it and terrible is its bite for the rows of its teeth fit into each other like those of a comb its length mostly exceeds eighteen cubits it produces eggs about the size of those of the goose and by a kind of instinctive foresight always deposits them beyond the limit to which the river nile rises when at its greatest height there is no animal that arrives at so great a bulk as this from so small a beginning it is armed also with claws and has a skin that is proof against all blows it passes the day on land and the night in the water in both instances on account of the warmth when it has glutted itself with fish it goes to sleep on the banks of the river a portion of the food always remaining in its mouth upon which a little bird which in egypt is known as the trochilus and in italy as the king of the birds for the purpose of obtaining food invites the crocodile to open its jaws then hopping to and fro it first cleans the outside of its mouth next the teeth and then the inside while the animal opens its jaws as wide as possible in consequence of the pleasure which it experiences from the titillation it is at these moments that the ichneumon seeing it fast asleep in consequence of the agreeable sensation thus produced darts down its throat like an arrow and eats away its intestines Chapter 38 The Syncus. Like the crocodile, but smaller even than the ichneumon, is the syncus, which is also produced in the Nile, and the flesh of which is the most effectual antidote against poisons, and acts as a powerful aphrodisiac upon the male sex. But so great a pest was the crocodile to prove that nature was not content with giving it one enemy only the dolphins therefore which enter the nile have the back armed with a spine 
which is edged like a knife, as if for this very purpose. And although these animals are much inferior in strength, they contrive to destroy the crocodile by artifice, which, on the other hand, attempts to drive them from their prey, and would reign alone in its river as its peculiar domain. For all animals have an especial instinct in this respect, and are able to know not only what is for their own advantage, but also what is to the disadvantage of their enemies. They fully understand the use of their own weapons, they know their opportunity, and the weak parts of those with which they have to contend. The skin of the belly of the crocodile is soft and thin. Aware of this, the dolphins plunge into the water as if in great alarm, and, diving beneath its belly, tear it open with their spines. There is a race of men also who are peculiarly hostile to this animal. They are known as the Tentirity from an island in the Nile which they inhabit. These men are of small stature, but of wonderful presence of mind, though for this particular object only. The crocodile is a terrible animal to those who fly from it, while at the same time it will fly from those who pursue it. These, however, are the only people who dare to attack it. They even swim in the river after it, and mount its back like so many horsemen, and just as the animal turns up its head for the purpose of biting them, they insert a club into its mouth, holding which at each end, with the two hands, it acts like a bit, and by these means they drive the captured animal on shore. They also terrify the crocodile so much by their voice alone, even as to force it to disgorge the bodies which it has lately swallowed, for the purpose of burial. This island, therefore, is the only place near which the crocodile never swims. Indeed, it is repelled by the odor of this race of men, just as serpents are by that of the silly. The sight of this animal is said to be dull when it is in the water, but when out of the water, piercing in the extreme, it always passes the four winter months in a cave without taking food. Some persons say that this is the only animal that continues to increase in size as long as it lives. It is very long-lived. Chapter 39. The Hippopotamus. The Nile produces the hippopotamus, another wild beast, of a still greater size. It has the cloven hoof of the ox, the back, the mane, and the neighing of the horse, and the turned-up snout, the tail, and the hooked teeth of the wild boar, but not so dangerous. The hide is impenetrable, except when it has been soaked with water, and it is used for making shields and helmets. This animal lays waste the standing corn, and determines beforehand what part it shall ravage on the following day. It is said also that it enters the field backwards, to prevent any ambush being laid for it on its return. CHAPTER Forty, WHO FIRST EXHIBITED THE HIPPOPOTAMUS AND THE CROCODILE AT ROME. MARCUS SCAURUS WAS THE FIRST WHO EXHIBITED THIS ANIMAL AT ROME, TOGETHER WITH FIVE CROCODILES, AT THE GAMES WHICH HE GAVE IN HIS EDILESHIP IN A PIECE OF WATER WHICH HAD BEEN TEMPORARILY PREPARED FOR THE PURPOSE. THE HIPPOPOTAMUS HAS EVEN BEEN OUR INSTRUCTOR IN ONE OF THE OPERATIONS OF MEDICINE. 
when the animal has become too bulky by continued overfeeding it goes down to the banks of the river and examines the reeds which have been newly cut as soon as it has found a stump that is very sharp it presses its body against it and so wounds one of the veins in the thigh and by the flow of blood thus produced the body which would otherwise have fallen into a morbid state is relieved after which it covers up the wound with mud chapter forty one the medicinal remedies which have been borrowed from animals the bird also which is called the ibis a native of the same country of egypt has shown us some things of a similar nature by means of its hooked beak it laves the body through that part by which it is especially necessary for health that the residuous food should be discharged nor indeed are these the only inventions which have been borrowed from animals to prove of use to man the power of the herb dittany in extracting arrows was first disclosed to us by stags that had been struck by that weapon the weapon being discharged on their feeding upon this plant the same animals too when they happen to have been wounded by the phalagium a species of spider or by any insect of a similar nature cure themselves by eating crabs one of the very best remedies for the bite of the serpent is the plant with which lizards treat their wounds when injured in fighting with each other the swallow has shown us that the caledonia is very serviceable to the sight by the fact of its employing it for the cure of its young when their eyes are affected the tortoise recruits its powers of effectually resisting serpents by eating the plant which is known as the cuneal bubula and the weasel feeds on rue when it fights with the serpent in the pursuit of mice the stork cures itself of its diseases with wild marjoram and the wild boar with ivy as also by eating crabs and more particularly those that have been thrown up by the sea the snake when the membrane which covers its body has been contracted by the cold of winter throws it off in the spring by the aid of the juices of fennel and thus becomes sleek and youthful in appearance first of all it disengages the head and it then takes no less than a day and a night in working itself out and divesting itself of the membrane in which it has been enclosed the same animal too on finding its sight weakened during its winter retreat anoints and refreshes its eyes by rubbing itself on the plant called fennel or marathrum but if any of the scales are slow in coming off it rubs itself against the thorns of the juniper the dragon relieves the nausea which affects it in spring with the juices of the lettuce the barbarous nations go to hunt the panther provided with meat that has been rubbed with aconite which is a poison immediately on eating it compression of the throat overtakes them from which circumstance it is that the plant has received the name of part alianches the animal however has found an antidote against this poison in human excrements besides which it is so eager to get at them that the shepherds purposely suspend them in a vessel placed so high that the animal cannot reach them even by leaping when it endeavors to get at them accordingly it continues to leap until it has quite exhausted itself and at last expires otherwise it is so tenacious of life that it will continue to fight long after its intestines have been dragged out of its body 
when an elephant has happened to devour a chameleon which is of the same color with the herbage it counteracts this poison by means of the wild olive bears when they have eaten of the fruit of the mandrake lick up numbers of ants the stag counteracts the effects of poisonous plants by eating the artichoke wood pigeons jackdaws blackbirds and partridges purge themselves once a year by eating bay leaves pigeons turtle doves and poultry with wall pellitory or helk sign ducks geese and other aquatic birds with the plant sideritis or vervain cranes and birds of a similar nature with the bulrush the raven when it has killed a chameleon a contest in which even the conqueror suffers counteracts the poison by means of laurel chapter forty two prognostics of danger derived from animals there are a thousand other facts of this kind and the same nature has also bestowed upon many animals as well the faculty of observing the heavens and of presaging the winds rains and tempests each in its own peculiar way it would be an endless labor to enumerate them all just as much as it would be to point out the relation of each to man for in fact they warn us of danger not only by their fibers and their entrails to which a large portion of mankind attach the greatest faith but by other kinds of warnings as well when a building is about to fall down all the mice desert it beforehand and the spiders with their webs are the first to drop divination from birds has been made a science among the romans and the college of its priests is looked upon as peculiarly sacred in thrace when all parts are covered with ice the foxes are consulted an animal which in other respects is baneful from its craftiness it has been observed that this animal applies its ear to the ice for the purpose of testing its thickness hence it is that the inhabitants will never cross frozen rivers and lakes until the foxes have passed over them and returned chapter forty three nations that have been exterminated by animals we have accounts too no less remarkable in reference even to the most contemptible of animals marcus varro informs us that a town in spain was undermined by rabbits and one in thessaly by mice that the inhabitants of a district in gaul were driven from their country by frogs and a place in africa by locusts that the inhabitants of jarus one of the cyclades were driven away by mice and the amicle of italy by serpents there is a vast desert tract on this side of the ethiopian cynomolgi the inhabitants of which were exterminated by scorpions and venomous ants and theophrastus informs us that the people of rhotium were driven away by scalopendra but we must now return to the other kinds of wild beasts chapter forty four the hyena it is the vulgar notion that the hyena possesses in itself both sexes being a male during one year and a female the next and that it becomes pregnant without the cooperation of the male aristotle however denies this the neck with the mane runs continuously into the backbone so that the animal cannot bend this part without turning round the whole body many other wonderful things are also related of this animal 
and strangest of all that it imitates the human voice among the stalls of the shepherds and while there learns the name of some one of them and then calls him away and devours him it is said also that it can imitate a man vomiting and that in this way it attracts the dogs and then falls upon them it is the only animal that digs up graves in order to obtain the bodies of the dead the female is rarely caught its eyes it is said are of a thousand various colors and changes of shade it is said also that on coming in contact with its shadow dogs will lose their voice and that by certain magical influences it can render any animal immovable round which it has walked three times chapter forty five the coracoda the manticora by the union of the hyena with the ethiopian lioness the coracoda is produced which has the same faculty of imitating the voices of men and cattle its gaze is always fixed and immovable it has no gums in either of its jaws and the teeth are one continuous piece of bone they are enclosed in a sort of box as it were that they may not be blunted by rubbing against each other juba informs us that the manticora of ethiopia can also imitate the human speech chapter forty six wild asses great numbers of hyenas are produced in africa which also gives birth to multitudes of wild asses in this species each male rules over a herd of females fearing rivals in their lust they carefully watch the pregnant females and castrate the young males with their teeth as soon as they are born the pregnant females on the other hand seek concealment and endeavor to bring forth in secret being desirous to increase their opportunities of sexual indulgence chapter forty seven beavers amphibious animals otters the beavers of the euxine when they are closely pressed by danger themselves cut off the same part as they know that it is for this that they are pursued this substance is called castorium by the physicians in addition to this the bite of this animal is terrible with its teeth it can cut down trees on the banks of rivers just as though with a knife if they seize a man by any part of his body they will never loose their hold until his bones are broken and crackle under their teeth the tail is like that of a fish in the other parts of the body they resemble the otter they are both of them aquatic animals and both have hair softer than down end of section twenty two